Welcome to the Cheeky Investor Podcast. This episode, we're going cheap. We're going dirt cheap. We're looking at top stocks under $5. Anyone on any budget can start building a portfolio with the stocks that we cover today. As always, Gareth, though, we're not recommending these. We're just putting in some good analysis, good research, and it's up to you whether you want to put these companies into your portfolio, but $5. Yep. Great so, disclaimer. Just like, just like you, cheap and nasty. That's how we like it. <laughs> cheap and dirty. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> um, great disclaimer and important disclaimer. Obviously, all the advice that we give um, is entirely up to you to make a decision on whether you're going to enact it. Um, we aren't financial advisors. Um, we're people that will help you discover um, potential gems in the market. But it's up to you as to whether you wish to uh, proceed and purchase any of these um, pretty sort of some very wild and uh, interesting stocks. And some, as always... Uh, Phil, it always amazes me just uh, you know how many big, big companies there are out there that are getting smashed on the on the, the stock exchange. You know their prices right down. There's one particular that we'll we'll talk about, which I think I was surprised when we when we sort of had a look to see what the stock price was, um, and I think most people out there will be surprised as well. It's a, it's an absolute international household name, yet uh, it's at it's at a very it's at around five dollars. So you know, uh, huge opportunity here. We're not just pulling out the the, the really weird ones. There are some um, big players as well that are at an incredibly uh, value-laden period of time now. So as always, um, what we say to people is, you know, there, there is opportunity in the market at any time, but particularly now, uh, there's definitely opportunity. And we've done a couple of podcasts talking about the blue chip companies that have uh, seen quite a significant reduction. Um, and I think yet again, there's a couple more in here. So hopefully they can add to your uh, stock list. And just one of the things I'll, I'll point out um, off the top is, you know, the, the stock price has no correlation really to the market value. Um, and what I mean by that is you have something like Microsoft that's trading at $200 a share that's worth over the trillion dollar mark. And, you know, you have something like Booking.com trading at $1,300 a share. Yeah. So, yep. uh, you know, the lower, the lower the share price doesn't, you know, correlate to a lesser company or no, most cases right. it doesn't. Um, so I just wanted to make that, yeah, point that out straight up because it's no, something new good. investors kind of get confused about. I think share price, they think affordability before it's taken off um, when, yeah, there's sort of no correlation between the two. No, absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's a, it's an important point. And it's where people can um, potentially get very valuable companies because they, they if you understand how the process works and you, you actually understand how to really look at a company and we'll cover a little bit of it today, but forget the price or at least start with the price, but then look at what's happening with the company and that you can then figure out, is that price going to go up or down? You know, is that stock price incredibly low because of, you know, at the moment, a unique set of circumstances or is there actually something fundamental wrong with the company? The, the background bit of that analysis is the most important bit because you can jump on, you can have one company, you know, two companies side by side, they're both at $5. One could be overvalued, one could be undervalued. Without being able to go into that background stuff, it's very hard to know that. And like I said, today we'll give you a little bit of a sense of what you're looking out for. Um, a lot of it is amazingly common sense, but uh, unfortunately, you know, sometimes common sense isn't, isn't, what, isn't that common. It's not to say, you know, common <laughs> sense isn't that common. So look, um, let's, uh, let's dive into the first one. You, you go first, yeah, you actually, Phil. Yeah. No, you get first. I okay. get first. Okay, I'm going to uh, yeah, go with a bit of a wild card. Um, so this is AMC. AMC is uh, the, the the largest theater, like cinema owner 
in the US. Um, was a you know massive, obviously, player. Um, huge amounts of money spent in the cinemas um, in the US, but they have a problem. And the problem is um, movie theaters are uh, closed. Most local <laughs> governments have forced uh, AMC to close its door for months now. Um, and obviously into the into the potential foreseeable future. So um, this is one that you would say traditionally pretty safe as houses. You know, I mean, I mean, movie theaters go up and down a little bit in in value and in price, but you know, they're generally very consistent. But what they've seen is a, is is a big knockdown as things stand. As we're recording this podcast, um, they're at they're at four twenty seven, so four dollars twenty seven per stock. Um, which is a, a pretty significant jump down. Let's see, they were up at um, they were up, well, sorry, they were up at seven seventy six. So they've halved in six months, and they've gone down even further as I look back over the years. Um, so they were they were up at twelve dollars eighteen. So literally, as you go back, you just see there's a sort of steady decline. So at the minute, they're sitting pretty low. Um, they obviously have a problem, which is they're not actually making any money. They make money by theater goes <laughs> theaters goes going to the theater. But I suppose with some of the stocks we'll be talking about, the reality is we all have to assume there'll either be a, um, a vaccine found or some sort of arrangement will be made where entertainment will be open. I cannot imagine something like AMC, as big as AMC are, that they're not going to be able to reopen some of the theaters. You know, people need entertainment. That's not going to happen. So a little bit of an outside sort of bet, this one. Um, but at $4.27, as Phil said, if you're... You know, if you if you don't have much money to invest, it's you know these sorts of ones could be worth a punt. It's a longer term play, and I'm interested to get your take on it, Phil. But yeah, my view is it's a longer term play. But really, you'd sort of know after about a year. I can't imagine you know governments will one thing shut for that long. So you'd, you'd probably know six months to a year as to what's actually going to happen. In my view, um, but yeah, I'll be interested to get your take on it. Um, I think eleven thousand screens across the world apparently they mm. um, operate. And I think they should be sitting on a pile of cash for the years that they've overcharged us for popcorn and drinks at the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now that costs $17 in Australia when I reckon it's about Mate. $1.10 worth of product. Like, how cheap is popcorn to make? It's brilliant. That's right. So they, <laughs> that's exactly right. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the whole, it's the, McDonald's, it's the McDonald's method of, that's right, charging on everything else on all the, uh, on all the frills. Um, and your your cinema tickets don't change much in price, but you're right. They should have a pile of cash that they're sitting on. That's probably the definition of wealth. Don't worry about freedom or Lamborghinis or jets. It's it's buying your food at the cinemas without question. Just <laughs> <laughs> in the cheeky snack. Well, movie. that's right. I used to. I, I mean, I used to bring in a packet of popcorn. Um, you know, hide it in my jacket. And now yeah. I'm I'm very middle class. I buy the bloody thing. I'm like, yeah, what's the point? I might as well just buy popcorn somewhere else because it's like period. horrendously, you know. Um, and the rustle, you know, the rustle of popcorn packets. You used to hear people opening them. I used to love yeah. that. Yeah. So I mean, look, they're on a bit over five billion um, revenue as of 2018. So obviously that's dropped significantly this year. But that gives you, you know. They're in the billions, not hundreds of millions in terms of revenue. Um, yeah. A significant player. Um, and one, again, we've spoken before, Phil, about this, uh, particularly in relation to travel, where we've said um, what, you, what you may well find is the emergence of a smaller core of businesses that have been able to survive and then buy up all the smaller businesses. And we're talking about in relation to travel agencies and things like that. But for me, AMC is one that you could say they'll survive because they're just so big. And, and as they come out, then there'll be that sort of boost in their in their stock price potentially. Yeah, I'm just trying to find other other bits of information as, as we talk. And I think 
like you said, when, when, when things recover, still, cinemas will still be there. I mean, you can't take away from that experience in the cinema. You can have Netflix, you can have yep. legal downloads like the kids used to do. Um, <laughs> but you're still going to have that cinema experience and it's still going to appeal to that demographic. Yep. Um, the, the question is just how much money have they got? You know, if they own their um, the, the cinema, um, you know, locations, that's probably a bit better than renting. Um, yep. you, you can negotiate a lot more or you can yeah. then... Hmm. Yeah, you can get more money because you own the asset and you can leverage the asset to raise a bit of debt or raise a bit of capital yep. um, as kind of collateral. So it'd be worth checking out whether they own them or whether they rent them. Uh, but I've just got uh, information here is talks about Amazon buying them out um, to boost up Amazon Prime. Oh, interesting. Which okay. is really interesting. This article is sort of, um, when was this? May, the middle of May this come out. Oh, wow. Okay. Buyouts are always great for investors. Yeah, that's a potentially because uh, because yeah, I mean they, they actually own like a lot of these companies. You've never heard of them, but they own like they've got MovieTickets.com. They own Odeon Cinemas, which are in the UK, and are they in Australia? I can't remember, but they're certainly big in the in the in the UK. They own they own a realty business. Um, they own like Sundance Cinemas. I don't know if that's connected to the probably not to the, the thing, but they own Open Road Films. So that's actually a film company. So yeah, they've got actually a range of different subsidiaries um, across the entertainment sort of sector, probably ripe for buying out. And, and that to me adds even more interest at $4.27. Um, yeah, that's uh, a potential. I'm just ready here why. And they're talking about if they buy that, they can buy the rights to potentially release blockbusters straight to Amazon Prime and not have to do the traditional movie. It's more about, I think... Less about the screens and more about the ownership of, of releasing films. The rights, yeah, a bit like owning a yeah a a record you know record business where yeah you yeah. you've got the actual music but what you want is the back catalog you want the what you know the yeah the, or the publishing rights or whatever it is. Um, yeah, look, that really interesting one. Um, <laughs> you've given me more interest in it now when you talk about takeovers, um, but it certainly seems like as you say, entertainment is always going to be there. Cinema is always going to be there. Um, and oh, the market cap's tiny. It's four hundred and forty-five mil. Yeah, wow. Bezos could buy that from his uh, oh. personal accountant. <laughs> that's his. Th th that's his own cinema money. You know what I mean? He'd have his. <laughs> th th that's what he uses to like when he goes to the cinema with uh, you know the 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 girlfriend or whatever oh, okay. she is now. So now look, uh, interesting one. I would definitely say look into that one. There is risk associated with uh, oh, something like yeah. that. The risk being, as you say, how long is their money going on for? You know, it could be um, Amazon picked them up uh, for nothing or for very little relatively because they're just on their knees, in which case people, you know, you could lose out. But there is potential uh, with that one. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Going to be yeah. a bit more boring now. Here Bring it back to Australia. Uh, having a look at... Having a look at AMP in Australia. Ah, yes. Now, it's got hammered, absolutely hammered after the Royal Commission uh, into banking uh, services. Um, you know, three years ago, I was trading at around $5.50 a share. Uh, today, it's about $1.70, $1.75. Uh, Earlier this year, it went down to, I think, about $1.20 or something. So, wow. Absolutely belted <laughs> in terms of what's Smash. But is that from, is that, is that, does that stock price reflect what the Royal Commission did or what's going on? Well, like, why is that so low? Uh, it, it's all the, um, the wealth arm to it. Like they were doing some pretty dodgy kind of stuff. They had a management board that weren't 
really overly ethical um, in okay. some of the decisions that they're making. Um, and yes, some of the, um, what's that when you pay customers back? Remittance? Is it remittance? Your remittance, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they have a lot of that um, to pay okay. back. And yeah, right. probably what that's expected to be. But um, yeah. So they're offloading some of their, um, yeah, some of their less profitable arms. But having said that, I think, I think they're keeping their insurance component, um, which is always an interesting business to get into. Yeah. Uh, I love these froths over bloody insurance companies. Is there as much in it as there used to be? I, I, I always get a sense it's not as much as you think, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're just creaming it and they're creaming it slightly less now. I always get a sense that it's, it feels sort of shaky at times, the insurance sort of industry, because they've also got a superannuation arm, don't they? Yeah, they've got super. I'm not sure if they're are they still doing that. I don't know, but I know that's, I mean, because they've been, I'm just looking up some stuff here. So they were 1849, they'd formed. So they've been through quite a bit, uh, 171 years. Um, like you said, they have been getting smashed, but they also have, they have um, an Asia Pacific arm. Um, and yeah, they've got the, the capital side and the financial services side, but you're saying they've broken off some of that as well. Um, and the, I think yeah. that, that they seem to be, um, oh, they were in the U, in the UK, but they've actually demerged um, from the UK. Um, and yeah, as you say, Royal Commission, they got absolutely smashed. It's, that's quite astounding. $1.76 for, um, you know, uh, an institution, really. I mean, 170, 71 years old, uh, you know, in, in, in Australian terms, that's uh, massive, you know. So I'm, I'm, that's pretty astounding. The question, though, is, um, is there room for them to grow? I mean, if they've been hammered and they've split things off, um, do you think there's an opportunity for, for them to grow and for, for, for the stock price to grow? Or is this going to be, you know, the new norm for them for a while? I, I think this would certainly be a five-plus-year investment mm. um, until they kind of work themselves out, really. Because yep. um, I'm just reading, I think they've sold, enough, sold off their insurance components, so it might be just kind of superannuation that they're working with now. But in terms of book value, their book value is around, um, around one, which means they're fair-valued. Yep. Um, so if they went bust now, you could pay out all your debt and kind of break even on everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. I get you. Yep. They've got rid of their financial planning arm. Um, but, but I just think yeah, there's an opportunity to kind of uh, consolidate and, and make things simpler. And, and I like it when businesses do that because they get yep. too complicated. If you're working in insurance, you're working in superannuation, you're working in financial planning and you're trying to own absolutely every uh, piece of the pie. Yep. Um, yeah, you can almost yeah make things too complicated. You extend so yourself. They, no, absolutely. Yep. If they can go back to basics um, under sort of good leadership, uh, then I think that they have the opportunity um, yeah to do that. And and I've had a, actually had a chat to a few fund managers um, who quite like it as a value investing play because, like we said, a dollar seventy five is really a sort of an all time low. And I'm looking at the money flow coming in now. We've got companies, they're all asset management companies coming in. We've got Lazard Asset Management coming in for 67 mil. Yeah, um, right. Three, through, three mil National Mutual Funds. Uh, AMP Capital Investors are buying into them themselves. Orbis, another 62 mil. They're all these BlackRock, which is huge. They make huge. Actually. Is, um, yeah, so okay. it, it's a lot of uh, institutional money. Yep. Um, that seems to be starting to flow in a lot more uh, than what it used to be. And the split now is actually general public owns 
55%, and institutions own um, about 42%, and then private companies own the rest. Um, so the institution split is interesting because that's where it said the smart money. It's not just mum and dad investors anymore. Yep. Yep. Um, it's starting to get the the interest of um, yeah big business and and there's investment strategy in its own right and that's to follow the big money. I was going to say that's right. I mean, money money and attention brings more money, and so if you have got those big players investing in a business, it, it naturally draws people um, who seek the the safety of those larger companies, I suppose, or you know seeks the safety and the knowledge that those larger companies have done a hell of a lot of work to figure out if they're going to invest in something or not so i'm with you um i would definitely follow the money particularly when you've got big players like that you've got big players you've got a blue chip company at a dollar 76 you know it looks it looks on on paper or it looks initially to be potentially a very good opportunity it's just something you have to be patient with <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and and look you know it's it's worth saying Really, what we're talking about here are, uh, you know, well, there's one or two maybe, maybe uh, m- might be sort of big growers, but in general, um, I suppose the way we look at it is we're sort of being realistic. We're not going to say to people, oh yeah, there's this sort of random startup that's you know <laughs> uh, been mentioned by by Bezos or whoever. Um, we're actually looking at companies that that are both um, have a reputable uh, um, business model and a, a proven um, business model but are also at a very cheap price. So it's worth saying that to people, you know, we're not going to throw out some random stuff that's just wacky because we don't want people losing out on money. You know, what we want people to do is to obviously use their own knowledge and figure out what they want to do, but to give them a selection of companies that, um, yeah, have a, have a proven model in what they're doing. So they're not just completely new to the game. 100%. 100%. I mean, we could have picked a whole heap of pharmaceutical or mining companies oh, yeah. trading at 10 cents to share. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> which, which is easy in a way. You know, you go, oh, yeah, there's rumors that, you know, they've got this. No, that's right. And, and there's, no, there's no benefit in, in us doing that. So I think, um, uh, yeah, the next one then on that sort of basis, um, if I may, uh, the next one is, so this is one of the big companies. Um, if, if anyone um, is sort of our age, uh, mid-30s, mid-late-30s, uh, oh, no, you're young. You're only like early 30s. Um, exactly. You'll remember the, the, Nokia, <laughs> the, the, the Nokia phones, the, uh, the famous, my first phone was a Nokia phone. Everyone had a Nokia phone. Snake, um, the most uh, unbelievably addictive game. Um, so what Nokia have done is they've had so much ups and downs. Um, they had obviously huge phone manufacturer, one of the early, early takers up of that. Um, and they sort of went into the wilderness. Now what they, what they're doing now is they're actually working on the 5g network. Um, so, which is really interesting. And we've spoken before about this. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Nokia purely because Nokia started as a paper mill. And then, and then became a, which is just crazy. It was like the complete opposite. So they, they saw this opportunity, um, uh, in the you know would have been the nineties, and so they start they started to switch into uh, technology, uh, and obviously became a phone manufacturer. Absolutely, you know, took on the world, did incredibly well. They're the, you just get a sense of the type of business that they can pivot, they can change. Um, so yeah, what they're looking at doing now is they're actually looking at being a big player um, in the five G network. Helped, I suspect, by the fact that uh, most most Western countries are refusing or not interested in going near um, Huawei, is it, is that how you say it? I can't remember how you say it. It's, it's the, the Chinese, um, the, the Chinese telco. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Huawei, yeah. I'm not sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to anyone who's listening to China. I probably got that completely wrong. But the point here is um, Huawei have been sort of banned in effect by most countries. The US, particularly the UK, has now just come out and said um, they're going to they're pull, pull them from the 5G network. 
not give well, a huge opportunity to come in here. The problem they have is their balance sheet is pretty bad. They've actually stopped dividends last year to try and sort out their sheet, but they are actually slowly working their way back up to, um, to a positive cash flow. So they are slowly doing it. If they can sort out that, that problem, which is a big problem, obviously, but if they can sort it out, they'll be in an excellent position, I think, to take advantage of the, uh, the growth in the 5G network, more so now because um, you know, one of their biggest rivals is unlikely to get some of the largest contracts, um, which you know, the US and the UK, for example. Um, so they're in at, uh, let me just check, was 409. Uh, let me just check. I, I didn't know they were European either. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, finish, I think. Three eighty three euro three eighty three euros. But they do also have a um a US business. Uh they're 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 also on the on the US on the new the N the NYSE. Uh yeah, four thirty nine. So four thirty nine uh um, in the in the US. That's the US, so four dollars thirty nine cents. They're, um yeah, based in Helsinki, which is um, completely mm. related, what I'll tell you now. But I was watching a travel show on Helsinki, uh, Helsinki last week, and apparently Not- they don't like banter or, or much comedy. They're very really narrow kind of people. Like they yeah, don't, right. they don't have time for shenanigans. You'd hate that, man. You're Mister Shenanigans. You'd be like, oh, compared on. to you, where's the banter? Where's the banter? The, the well-behaved Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did get, I got kicked out of, I got kicked out of Next, which is a local club on Friday, um, for being too loud, if you could believe that, Phil. Uh, I was told by the bouncer twice, and finally he was like, you're going to have to leave. And I, was, I wasn't causing trouble, I was just being very loud. Um, you probably went drinking. No, no, of course not. I was on Arches. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I like Nokia. Um, I really do. I think they've got an opportunity and you know a lot of you know a lot of businesses so you know it's about luck and i think they've got a bit of luck in in the fact that the u.s has really sort of bullied a lot of other countries into not going with um their one of their largest uh, rivals as the 5g as 5g provider so yes that's my one um what's the next yeah. one from like from you right uh what do we got let's have a look at star entertainment ah in yes own some casinos, which, yes. um, yeah, at the moment, can't go to a casino, really. Actually, can you go to no. a casino? You can well, in Sydney, you can. You were able to in Melbourne, which is where the big star, um, the, oh, there's one in Sydney and one in Melbourne, isn't there? Um, but, yeah, now I believe Melbourne's been shut down, but I think Sydney's open. But, um, yeah, they must be suffering because you're not going to be able to have all the people shoved into the pokies. It's going to be lots of restrictions on. Yeah, it's, I'm just having a look at their locations. I know there's definitely one in Sydney. I wasn't sure there was one in Melbourne. Oh, I thought there was one in Melbourne. What, no. Is it Adelaide? Oh, maybe. Okay, sorry. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm thinking of the Crown. Maybe I'm thinking of the Crown, actually. Sorry, that might be what I'm... Yeah. Um, yeah, Crown's in Melbourne. Um, yeah, yeah. So they have this... Oh, they say we've got the Star Gold Coast. Uh, they've got, yeah, Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition, Exhibition Centre. They're always, uh, again... And this is an interesting one, like exhibition centers are just money-making machines because you can have exhibitions on all, all times of the year. You know, they're massive. But at the minute, obviously, that's also heavily, um, heavily reduced. And then, of course, the Star Sydney, which is a big one. So they've got a couple of casinos. They've got a convention center and exhibition center. Um, that's, <clears throat> that's lucky. <laughs> In Sydney, Gold Coast, and, and Brisbane, 
Yes. Then, uh, yeah. They could start to move back to towards. Um, well, yeah. that's right. They're actually probably in a better place than than than, than the, that's right than the crown, which is sorry, the crown is the one in yeah, Melbourne. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, look, love it again. You know, we're, we're coming across entertainment because these places have been hit because of the uh, restrictions. But again, uh, you know, Aussies love a bet. I can't, you know, I can't imagine um, these guys aren't going to get back up and do it. And, you know, casinos traditionally are pretty, pretty good money makers, uh, to say the least. The one that will be interesting is the high, international high rollers. And if that impacts mm. everyone, I had a friend in Sydney and he was applying for a job because um, he could speak, uh, was it Cantonese he could speak? Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. I want to be Cantonese. And he was to be a... Um, Oh, what's it? It's not a. Is it a chauffeur? There's something. More oh, like a concierge. That. Concierge. Sort of like a yeah, like a personal kind of assistant yeah, type thing. Doing Say that again. Yeah, doing absolutely anything they wanted. From yeah, 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 yeah. The plane at the airport. Yeah, yep, yep. Anything they needed at any time, as long as you get them back into the casino daily. Oh, I love that. Hey, have you seen? So that's just remind me. You've seen Casino, haven't you? The movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, when they, they like talk about that, like they're, uh, they, they meet the guy at the, the big high roller at the airport and they bring him in and he has the party and he's leaving <laughs> and they get it so that the plane isn't working. So he has to go back because he ends up winning loads of money and they're like, oh no, this guy ain't leaving. Like we have to get him back in. <laughs> and so they bring him back in and he loses like awesome man. And that's exactly what it's like. It's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I see here June the 11th. So not that long ago. Um, they, yeah, they, as you'd expect, um, 400 staff uh, were let go from the Star Entertainment Group. So um, obviously, you know, th th they've been hit like everybody else. Um, like we've said, there's a benefit in that they're in an area where, yeah, obviously there isn't um, the same issues that, that uh, are happening in Melbourne in terms of a, um, you know, the second wave, you ever want to call it. Um, but equally, you'd say, yeah, they must be operating at well below capacity. Um, it's expensive running these places. So again, I think the question has to be, you know, do they have enough money in the bank to keep them going? Um, you know, I would have said they'd be a pretty good bet to get like institutional invest or to get, you know, big investors because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, casinos, exhibition centers, they are money making machines. So, uh, yeah, really interesting one, that. Huh? Fun fact, $90,000 is what the average poker machine uh, makes in profit per year in Australia. Wow. 90k per one. So. Isn't that, yeah, and you think of the size of these places. Well, you can see why, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of them at all, but you can see why pubs now rely on, on, on pokey machines and not on people drinking because they just, you know, that's, yeah, that's what, what, what people will go in and do. Um, like I said, I was in, a, in, a, in a, uh, an RSL here and uh, actually I have to say, yeah, the pokey machines were quiet. The place was empty. The place was absolutely empty. Um, this was Friday night. So that probably, if that's a very anecdotal evidence, but if that is evidence of sort of what's happening, I would suggest, yeah, there's very little actually going on um, in terms of all these sorts of places. So the, 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 look, the star will be feeling the pinch, but uh, you have to say they'll be coming back strong, um, you know, and they'll be ready to go when, when, when restrictions get lifted a bit more. Well, it's interesting. It still looks like, are they paying a dividend still? Oh, I don't know. It definitely dropped, but it's saying at the moment 7.68%, whether that happens or not, but still a 20, 20 cent dividend. Okay. 20 cent dividend based really? Are they still paying? Yeah, I, I thought most or quite a few companies were suspending them. I'd, I'd be surprised if they're paying it if they've lost 400 staff, but maybe they still are. Yeah, maybe they, maybe they qualify for the job 
uh, the JobKeeper. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yep. yep. Which, for anyone that's not in Australia, it's a uh, a job subsidy yeah, um, package from the government. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's squeeze in. So we've got a couple more minutes left, and right. and let's do. Uh, what you introduce the last one? Oh, I don't know what it'd be. What we've got? Well, we're thinking Ford, weren't we? Well, we're thinking Ford or Qantas, but let's do Ford. We've done. Oh Qantas. no, let's do Qantas. Sorry, let's do Qantas. Actually, yeah, you know, let's do Qantas. Yeah. Um. So, so we'll we'll just say a quick shout out. Ford is obviously a massive, massive player, and um, very much like Qantas. You know, big, big old institution. Um. And yeah, they're at. Sorry, in fairness, they're actually slightly above five dollars. So technically, they wouldn't fit the criteria. But but what I'd say is, I'd say have a look at what's going on there. They they're putting a big play into. They've had problems. They've had problems um, with the the uh, with. Um, sort of private warnings and, and issues with management. Now, they've got a new CEO in who seems to be driving them in the right direction. They're investing heavily in electric cars. Um, they're, again, another future play. Quick one, just check them out. But Qantas, yes. Qantas is another one. This is one of our favorites, isn't it? Well, yeah, we're starting to see a lot more um, holidaying ads. Uh, Flight mm. Center, which is a travel management company in Australia, has opened up again. Yep. And there's a big domestic push. Yes. We can't go overseas. We're talking about not going overseas until maybe this time next year. Yeah, uh, correct. Possibly. July 21. Yeah, possibly. Yep. Yep. Um, and yeah, so they're, they're really looking to take a hold of the, the Australian market. They're smashing it. I mean, look, they are in a position again. Um, we have Virgin who've sort of fallen slightly by the website, but have obviously been picked up by, by a company. Qantas are at three dollars 62 three australian dollars 62 um a share um we like Qantas, both of us uh you've got all of the, the ticks again we spoke at the outset about not not throwing lemons out you know th th this one's a great one because you've got a national carrier who you'd say a national carrier on an island so you'd say there's never going to be a situation <laughs> where they're going to be allowed to to fail entirely <laughs> Uh, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, they're uh, a generally well-managed business. They've obviously been smashed, absolutely smashed by um, the coronavirus, but um, managed by someone who we both respect as a CEO, uh, Alan Joyce, who took... Where is he from? Ireland, of course. Yeah, what, do you know what part? No, I don't know. But I'll tell you, yeah. Alan Joyce and Willie Walsh, two of them, Willie Walsh um, is the CEO of BA, Iberia BA, whatever it's called now, which is, I think, one of the largest airlines in the world. And Alan Joyce is the CEO of, um, of Qantas. So there's, there's oh. a long history with flying in Ireland. Yeah, there's quite a few people go off to... to uh, and, and, and there's a big, like, um, airplane kind of manufacturing and maintenance kind of um, sector in Ireland that, that does that as well. So, yeah, bit of a history there. Um, but, yeah, Alan Joyce um, took over in 2008, probably, like, one of the worst times ever because you had the GFC <laughs> about a year later. So, um, but he managed to bring them through that. Um, they've been going, you know, absolutely great guns. Um, and, yeah, look, uh, and are actually... Uh, are they when well, they must be one of the, they're the third oldest airline? I knew they're one of the oldest, the third oldest airline in the world. I like that longevity, and they've got you know good management in place. Um, decisions were made quickly. It's horrible for people working for Qantas, but you know they had to lose those jobs in, in, in a business sense. I'm not you know, but um, they've got all the sort of the, the makings of, of a business that that you know is going to grow again. And at three dollars sixty two, I think that's a that's a bargain. I would say. 
Well, it, it fluctuates between that and about seven or eight dollars. Like yeah. it'll, it'll keep going through that. See, Tom, in ten years, we'll be talking about double your money. Then it's down to four dollars again. So yeah, yeah, that's right. But this is the sort of time to be getting in, isn't it, Phil? Really, you're right. I mean, you could double your money with this. With, with what I would argue is a relatively safe bet. I mean, nothing's a hundred percent, but God, I, you know, I can't. Qantas ain't going to go. So yeah, I, I think to me, opportunity for the, again to lean up the business model. If you're just mm. doing domestic flight in Australia, like they've Park their bigger um, jets overseas. I'm not sure what the ongoing cost of that is. Yep. Uh, if you provide a full service, uh, and I mean by full service, you know, for a, a probably higher end customer, business customer, traveling around Australia. I mean, Australia is massive. Yep. From Sydney to, to Perth is still, what, about six hours. Yeah, it is. Um, it, you, you want a premium service on that, like flying that on, on something like um, you know, Tiger Air. Or Tiger, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah it's still, we're, we're big enough to warrant a bit bit more luxury in travel. Yep. Um, I think that's where Qantas lead um, is that full service flight and they're, they're dominating that. No, I don't know if Virgin are going to come back and play in that space. Um, I'm not sure the strategy of who bought them out. No, they, we don't talking about. Yep going full service or they're just going to compete on the low cost carrier model. Yep. And, and the beauty of Qantas is they do both. Qantas That's have right. Jetstar. So if there's a trans Tasman bubble, we have holidays to New Zealand and Fiji um, and potentially there's talks of Indonesia wanting Australia um, to fly there because, yep. you know, Bogans go over there and spend a lot of money in their yep. <laughs> economy. Um, so Jetstar's got those uh, those locations down pat. Yeah, and right. they're quite close. Australia, I think, has got the business part um, of, of Australia traveling, particularly, you know, government government travel down to Canberra every year, to, to Sydney, to Capital Sydney's. Yep. They generally have contracts with Qantas um, to do that. So, mm, uh, no. yeah. Bang it's on. Good. I like it. Yeah, look, um, we're a little bit over in time. So what I'd say is uh, I think Qantas to finish off is a great one. A uh, huge opportunity. All of these, you're going to have to sit it out a little bit. A lot of them are coronavirus-related. But the idea is, you know, these are companies that, like, like we were saying, um, they know what they're doing. They're proven that they know what they do. Most of them have been through quite a few recessions. Um, we, there's an opportunity now, if you're, if, you're, if you're able to kind of stay in the longer term, to pick up stock prices at, at, at a pretty good uh, sort of price. So, or sorry, pick up the stocks at a pretty good price. Um, and I think, yeah, from that list, Phil, you'd say, you know, there's, there's, there's big opportunities. So anybody that's interested, um, how about just start to look into these companies and, and, and see what's going on, see what the management is, see where the money is, um, and just think about it, you know, exactly like what we did, which is you go through the process of saying, well, they're here now, but, but where are they going to be in six months? Where are they going to be in 12 months? Where are they going to be in 18 months? What's, you know, what's, what's likely to happen without fully knowing um, what's going to happen down the line? And you might sort of begin to go, oh, actually, that's a really interesting one. I might actually put a little bit of money on that. Yeah, nice. Cool. All right. Um, so any final, final words or comments, Phil? No, I think you summed it up. Patience with these. Um, they're all in very interesting industries. Yep. Uh, you're not looking to pick them next week and make a 10x gain. Nope. Um, they're a longer term. And if they go up by fourfold in 10 years, that's 15% return per year and you've yeah. done much better than the market will do. 100%. Yeah, I love it. So listen, thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, uh, don't forget, we're on Facebook. We are getting asked lots of questions at the minute. Um, we say 
you know, if you don't know what you're doing or if you want to get into this area, hop onto our Facebook page. Honestly, there's information, there's videos, there's articles, there's chat, there's, you know, we'll, we'll always get back to people. We love that. And so, you know, if, you've, if you don't know what you're doing, you say literally, where do I start? We can help you. If you're a seasoned um, trader or investor and you just want to sort of banter with someone, get on, we'll do the same, all good. Um, and, you know, we've got our website, cheekyinvestor.com. Uh, lots of uh, offers and things happening on there. So check that out as well. And of course, we've got the podcast. Thank you all for listening to this and uh, you will hopefully check you next week.